Okay, Bismarckim. So when speaking about doubt, uh, the metaphor we said about doubt is like you have a beautiful mansion. The beautiful mansion in this context is the dean, but you have a tiny hole leaking in the roof or in a pipe, and you know it's there. You can feel it. You can hear it. But you're kind of pretending maybe it'll go away. And what's funny is uh, I had a similar experience, not with the house, but uh, the water heater was leaking. I think I've been talking about the water heater. And, and for the first few days, you know, I didn't want to give it too much attention. And then I remembered this lesson. I thought, well, I better do something about it. So then called in Jamal. We replaced the water heater. But what was the lesson? That if you pretend the leak is not there or if you don't address it, then the leak is going to get worse. And it'll seep into everything. It'll seep into the wood, the concrete, the fixtures, and before you know it, the entire house collapses. So, thankfully, the, the water heater was in the basement, so it'll probably not cause the entire house to collapse. But anyway, so, <clears throat> so that's the reality of doubt. If you don't address it, it'll spread throughout your whole dean. And let me add another thing to make this whole process more interesting. I 261, same surah. No, no, wrong. Aisle. 260? No, 261. So this is a conversation that Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam is having with Allah. So not only is he a prophet, he's super prophet. The only one above him in stature is probably Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Okay. So, وَإِذْ Ibrahim. And so remember when Ibrahim said, So Prophet Ibrahim, peace be upon him, saying, My Lord, show me how you give life to the dead. And then Allah says, Do you not believe? Now keep in mind, Ibrahim al-Islam is saying this directly to Allah. Allah is responding directly to him. And he's saying, yes, of course. Well, it's probably Bala. Um, yeah, Bala. Okay, <clears throat> so it's like a, a positive response to a neg negative question. Okay, but he needs to make his heart at peace. And so, liyatma innal qalbi. So Ibrahim alayhi salam, who is of such stature that he is talking directly to Allah, still needed his heart to be put at rest on Allah's ability to bring life to the dead. This whole passage, uh, including the eyes before it, are all about Allah giving life to the dead, but this is the specific moment with Ibrahim alayhi salam. So if it's okay for Ibrahim alayhi salam to have this need, it's definitely okay for the rest of us to have the same need. The prescription, however, is different. His prescription was to take four birds, and then this is understood a couple of different ways. One way it's understood is to train them to come to him, like, you know, domesticate them. And then <clears throat> from there, slaughter them, mash up the meat, Mix the meat together, 
put the meat on four separate hills and then bam they're all going to come back to you in full form yeah that would be for him yeah. i don't anticipate myself ever trying that i also don't know that it would work for me yeah. for you and i the prescription however is more rational as opposed to miraculous and that is to come up with something that can compare to the quran so this is also a point a lot of times i'll have students that'll come 20 year olds that'll come and ask you know like how do i know this is true okay. and they want islam to come to them proving itself to them not going to work that way especially if you're 20 and you haven't experienced much in life to be able to have any tools with which to evaluate it rather islam is saying you look around to see if you can find something better you have to get to know this thoroughly and then you got to compare and contrast now what are the fundamental proofs of islam itself this we find in surah al-bayna which literally mustafa how would you translate bayna um uh, very clear or evident yeah clear proofs clear evidence so what does it say those who rejected those who have rejected from the people of the book and the mushriks the polytheists they are not going to abandon their way of rejecting until you give them or until they're given clear proof what is the clear proof of islam again if you haven't had much experience of life, this is not going to seem like much. Okay. A messenger from Allah reciting purified pages in which are established commands. Okay. So what are we saying? That the proof of Islam is not the Quran. The proof of Islam is the Prophet, peace be upon him. And that's easier to compare. What? Pizza. <laughs> okay, so the proof of Islam <clears throat> being the prophet peace upon him, that's a figure that you can compare with everybody else in human history. That look at the easy things like his influence or the sheer amount of detail uh, given attention to of his life and then the amount of effort put just into the question of authenticating and then look at his person and look at what he's calling to if we didn't include the quran and then when you add the quran to the picture you know he goes even much higher and so the point being compare him with anyone else you can find in human history what is the cop out yeah there's probably somebody just like, you know, the cop-out for the Quran is, yeah, yeah, somebody can come up with something. No, you have to find it. So what the Quran is then saying is if you have doubt, your treatment is you have to go through the process. And so then what is essentially the process that you're going to go through? Bringing us to today, 0415. I hope you all did your taxes, at least those of you who are in the United States. Those of you who are not in the United States, I hope you don't owe any taxes to the United States because then... They will come after you. In any case, Saturday. So what is the process to go through? Sorry, I like the 
thicker lines here. So zero two twenty three is either you write something using your full brain power and or you read everything you can get your hands on in the history of humanity. Chances are your best bet is to read all the scriptures of the world uh, and all the major philosophies of the world, you know, starting with, if you want, you can start with like Aristotle. He's just about the most influential person of them all. But then what is the result? Either, and this is the part that uh, that Asim was, was struggling with, you find something or you write something that can compare with the Quran. Or it was, yeah. Or <clears throat> you don't. And within that, it means one, two, you gave up. Or you are satisfied. The goal is to reach that point of satisfaction of the heart. That's the process of addressing doubt. What is the obstacle? The obstacle, however, number one, is the most one of the most deadly of all the questions a person can get stuck in their head what if so i gave the example of a student yesterday who <clears throat> who was so deep deeply lost in the what if questions that she could not on her own confirm for me that i was that she existed and so her assignment a week ago for yesterday was to first figure out if she herself existed. What if I don't exist? What if all this is fake? What if nothing really exists? Right. What is the problem with the what if question is that it's not looking for an answer. It's looking for more what ifs. And the vast majority of anxiety that most people suffer from is the domination of this question in their head. What if I don't get into this program? What if I don't find my 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 life partner? What if my life partner dies? Or what if my life partner leaves me? What if my car falls apart? What if, what if, what if, what if? That is one of Shaitan's methods to destroy a person. It's literally a method from Shaitan. We're in Ramadan, you might still have the what if questions in your head. And how does this work? One, if it originated from Shaitan, it's as though Shaitan left his footprint in our head. And a way to think about this is we're taught that all the devils are locked up, or at least the chief devil, Shaitan, is locked up. And then what happens, <clears throat> if you're already in the, the habit of thinking this what-if mode, to the point that it's almost like you find joy in anxiety, then you already have the habit of thinking, even without, without Shaitan there. And you'll keep thinking that way. So, there's a second question. 
which is not so much related to the authenticity, but the question of why. Well, why did Allah set up the system this way? Why did he do it so that our, you know, so that we have to go through his whole life if he already knows what's going to happen, if he's already going to control what's going to happen, he already knows what's going to happen in the day of judgment, he's making it happen. So why doesn't he just put us in the day of judgment? Or why doesn't he just put us in heaven or hell where we're headed to, right? Valid question. That's a valid question. If it is looking for an answer. Because what is the fundamental Islamic answer to the question of why? What's the answer to the question for why did Allah set up the system this way? Asim. Because that's what he willed. Yeah. Which is the most correct answer. And if you want some big, profound, philosophical thing, you're not going to get anything more profound than this. And it's so painful because it's so simple. But I Yeah, go ahead. I think also the idea of... Why do we have to go through this exercise? Why didn't, doesn't he just put us in heaven or hell? Uh, it's really easy to say that that is not justice, mm-hmm. right? As yep. in, as in, if we talk about the day of judgment as true justice, it's very, very easy to say I didn't do any of those things. Yeah. So then it almost necessitates that we have to go through this life, right, for it to make sense to us. Yeah. For it to make sense to us, yeah, totally. To make, I mean. In theory, okay, so this is a thing I struggle with quite a bit. If if Allah's will was just put us all in heaven or hell and it makes sense to us, <clears throat> then he could make that happen, right? Yes, exactly. So then why does it need to make sense to us in this way? Yeah. Right? And so and th- so we come back to the why question. Mm-hmm. And so the answer is always the same. Yeah. And that's what Islam is. We're saying to Allah, it's your will, we surrender. So, Mustafa. So I think there is a tricky part with why, because um, it can be a question for reason and it can be a question for purpose. And I think there is a difference between both of those. Mm-hmm. Given a reason within the Quran for why we are here, mm-hmm for why there is dunya, mm-hmm. we are not given the purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, why is this ultimately, what is this ultimately all for? We don't know. Sure. God did it's... not share that with us. But more importantly is, do we really need to know that for any of this to make sense and for us to know that God exists or that there is mm-hmm. in the Quran? No. Mm-hmm. It's like... That question, when we get to that point, like if that's what we're using as an excuse for, well, I don't have the answer to that question, so I'm not convinced. It's like we're just making excuses at this point because it's it's completely independent of the rhetoric or any other proof or logic within the Quran with regards to why it all makes sense. Mm And then on top of that, so yeah, the why is a good question, especially if the actual question is, how do I make sense of this? If that's what the question why is asking, then it's a profound question. If the question is, what is the point? You know, then any response will be followed up with, well, why? 
So let's say Allah gave us an answer and says the answer is, right? I mean, I can't even speak it in English because you can't even comprehend it in English. And then I respond to that with why. Well, why do you do it this way? You see what I'm saying? The what if question or the uncontrolled why, its only satisfaction is in asking the same question again. So the assignment for yesterday's student is for her to list every single one of her what if questions regarding Islam. The existence of God and everything. And so let's see what she comes with, up with for, for this coming week, inshallah. So, uh, Danya. I was going to say, I think it's interesting how I feel like we accept unknowns in our life a lot more readily than um, accepting the why questions in faith, which totally. is just such an interesting yeah. concept in general that I haven't like fully fleshed out yet. But I, I'm just thinking about it now, like there are a, a ton of things like in medicine that we literally do not understand how this works. This mm. is just how it works. We don't know why it works this way, but this is how it it works, and this is how we can you know manipulate it. And mm -hmm. Subhanallah, it's it's so interesting. But that doesn't we don't question the reason behind you know the the mechanism or something. It's mm -hmm. it's more like a fascination versus a questioning if it exists or why it's it is the way it is. Mm -hmm. uh, that I think is one of the interesting things about human nature. All the goofy ways that humans are not consistent, I think it's fascinating, right? And, you know, so one of the things you find in these old books is that you'll have a king who is controlling all the land, trying to take care of all the land, take care of all the kingdom. But if the king has a toothache, he doesn't care about anything in his kingdom, right? You know, uh, the other point you made is if we go, if the why question is a fascination question, you know, how does this work? I'm fascinated. Then it's an even more profound question. You know, and that is what the why that we are encouraged to ask. Because literally, it's infinity, uh, the depth you can go into any of the phenomena in any of the creation. You know, whether we're at the level of that which is visible, the molecular, the atomic, the subatomic. And then whatever the sub, I don't know, the energy level. And who knows what's even lower than that. Uh, <clears throat> that we are invited to as a way to appreciate creation. So, the other obstacle is lack of motivation. Which is synonymous with lack of urgency. And this is a case I have with a lot of students that I can walk them through understanding that the proof is not going to come to them. They have to go through the effort to satisfy their heart. And, you know, they'll speak about this concern as though it's an urgency and then they won't ever follow up. And then it brings us back to that original point that the doubt will seep. And this is a thing that actually requires some degree of urgency. Naturally, in modern American urban life, uh, you know, time is always flying at full speed. So it's hard to put in the time, but you will put in the time for things that are priorities for you. So lack of motivation, lack of urgency, what do they actually mean? It's lack of priority. It means 
I'm more satisfied with just remaining in this ambiguous state than putting in any effort about it. A lot of times we think agnosticism, where we're saying, I don't know if I what I believe or if I believe this is true or that's true. A lot of times people don't realize that's an actual choice. It's not someone who's holding back from making a choice. The choice is that they're holding back from making a choice. Okay, Mustafa. So I threw it in chat as well, but I want to hear your opinion on it. But I also feel like for a lot of people, um, the barrier is with like knowledge and science, there isn't a like consequence or a follow-up that um, comes attached with the why. And so we're much more um, readily accepting of answers or comfortable with the unknown if we can't find answers. But with faith, on the other hand, if we get to a point where we conclude something, there is a consequence, which mm -hmm. is we do need to make choices. And we realize that we are held accountable for what we do. And we do have do's and don'ts, which mm -hmm. for some people are not easy. Uh, like back when I was uh, in Egypt and I I was studying Japanese and met a lot of Japanese folks through that. Uh, in Egypt? I was like really genuinely convinced of Islam, but he was like, but I'm not going to become Muslim. And I asked him why. He told me because I feel like praying five times a day is too much. Mm. Um, so then you're like, well, yeah, kafiru? No, okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So. No, I was honestly stumped and I was like, well, <laughs> I mean, you are kind of at a point where you know what is true and what isn't, so <laughs> it's up to you, bro. <laughs> what, what would you all uh, advise hypothetical Japanese person? Uh, I know Islam is true, I know Islam is the truth, but I'm not going to become Muslim because I know I'm not going to pray. Bilal, what would you advise that person? Um, I mean, I wouldn't want to like fear monger, but like the first thing that came to my mind was if you really believe in like what is to come, if you don't follow it, then like, wouldn't the cost benefit analysis kind of indicate that you should probably just pray? Asim Nadia Sadia. It's always better to be Muslim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like yes, it matters if you don't pray, but not praying while in a state of belief and being Muslim uh, is fundamentally different than not even taking that first step. Mm -hmm. Yep, Nadia. I don't know if you're speaking, but you're on mute. I was going to say what Asim said, um, tell him to become Muslim anyway, and then work on prayer. Yeah. Sadia. Yeah, I would uh, tell them to become Muslim and just work on their relationship with Allah, and the rest will come mm -hmm. at its own time. Inshallah. What if instead of these approaches, we said, all right, you stand right here. I'm going to get some firewood. Okay. And then you just stand in the middle of the firewood and I'm going to light it on fire. What do you think? Good answer or a great answer? 
So then hell becomes more real. Yeah, but he's also going to think we're psychopaths. Yeah, but he already knows, you know, he already knows about Islam. I'm actually taking that from the prophet, peace be upon him, that uh, there's a woman whose son is dying and she's refusing to forgive him. And the prophet, peace be upon him, is trying to convince her to forgive him. And she's saying no. And he says, okay, well, I'm going to get some firewood then. Um, because if he's going to head to hell, any I'm paraphrasing, of course, if he's going to go to hell anyway, then let's get the process started now. And she's like, you're going to do that to my son? And, and he said, yeah, if you're not going to forgive him. And then she's like, no, you can't do that, my son. Well, then you have to forgive him. And so then she forgave him. And then shortly after that, the son died. So, so yeah, but the basic point is being in the dean is still significantly more important than not being in the dean. All of us have different ways in which we will fall short within the dean. And if we look back at ourselves five years ago, there's some of those things that we're consistently falling short on, either because we struggle or we're not trying. And you should still be in the dean. That's far more significant than being outside of the dean. Asim. I have a semi-related question. I will give you a semi-related answer. 37.4. No, okay, go ahead. I think that works. Okay, no. um, the, so I have a question about how, when the prophet was standing in front of people, how they rejected. Yeah. Try to comprehend it. It seems impossible to me. Yeah. So, yeah, imagine how hard their hearts had to be. And that's if we only just used his personality, right? Right. Or even his presence. So, like, Ali is saying, you know, like, I've never seen anyone before since who looked like him. You know, like you couldn't, like they would often speak of the moon as the most beautiful thing. And if he's there, I couldn't even look at the moon. I had to look at him. And so I'm saying before adding anything else, I'm just saying just the fact that you're captivated by his presence. Yeah. And, and there, I mean, not, not probably not to that extent, but there are people in the modern world who are very captivating. Thank you. No, no, continue. Yeah. I don't know about all that. Yeah. But, uh, but um, and then you add all the things on top of it that, uh, like, I just, I, that seems unfathomable to me. Yeah. It's a thing of, this is the first time in my life I'm saying it out loud, but I've thought about it for a long time. Mm -hmm. Is like when you have, so like, and, and this is true sort of across the Quran to me, right? Like when you have, new and the floods coming how how can you still reject when you're like drowning <laughs> right and like do we have an answer for that this is human nature right that the absurdities of human nature are that if there's something we just don't want you know then we will go to whatever steps to allow us to not want. So relate to this point, uh, same surah, I think it's ayah 83. 
it might be a little bit later. Uh, basically, uh, yeah, maybe it's earlier. Uh, there's an ayah that says that, okay, whenever you're faced with something that you don't want, you may at first deny it. Like if a messenger comes to you with something you just don't want, you may deny uh, uh, it. You may mock the messenger. You may regard it you may start accusing it of being fraudulent. You might even resort to violence rather than face it. Like add everything else in the case of the prophet, peace be upon him. They've known him their whole lives. They've known him to be as honest as can be imagined. The Quran, they recognize as being astonishing. He's not calling them to anything ridiculous. He's calling them to be upright and fair. He's calling them back to their old religion, pre-idol worship. Yeah. And so he himself uh, uh, seemed to struggle with uh, the fact that people are not uh, embracing his message. Should be a no-brainer. But this is the fascinating thing about, about human nature. It's not all that different than the issue of therapy, right? If someone doesn't want therapy, no amount of conversation with them is going to do anything for them. What do you think, Asim? You know, I think that's, that last point is only sort of relevant in the sense of uh, we are talking about human-to-human -human relationships. Yeah. Not about, you know, like I... I Reality? Don't, <laughs> I don't believe that... God speaks to people through their therapist. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I'm talking about something that you know is good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's the thing I've struggled with pretty much my whole life. It, yeah. it never made sense to me. Um, so it'll probably require a little more exploration and thought. I don't think you're going to come to an answer except to say this is the astonishing thing of human nature. This is uh, this is the ayah. Okay. So we gave Musa alayhi salam. The, the 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 kitab followed up uh, followed him up with messengers after messengers then we have Isa son of Mary clean proofs supported him with the sanctified soul okay but every time a messenger came to you with something your soul did not desire step one you respond with arrogance if that is not enough for you to feel safe in your rejection then you deny it you accuse it of being a lie and yeah and if that is not enough for you to feel safe and comfortable in your rejection then you resort to violence rather than just embrace the obvious truth yeah so this is very much about just the challenge of self-honesty that most people do not want to embrace. Mustafa. And I mean, to piggyback off of all of that, is it really that surprising that humans would behave that way? Because I know, like, I've seen people justify or twist or go into denial over things over the past decade that it's like it's it's right there in front of your eyes it's mm -hmm. like no yeah 
nope. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not really all that surprising when you think about it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just how we are as humans. And I think I'm probably the oldest person in this class. Uh, and I'll say that uh, it's even more perplexing when you get to people who are older. Uh, that you are going to see, inshallah, as all of you age, that there's some people who don't grow out of it. That we would like to think everyone is getting more and more mature as they're getting older. No, nope. uh, most of your peers will be the same person they are uh, uh, in their 20s. Uh, Asim and then Mustafa. So, funnily enough, that when you said that um, people refuse things that are good for them and they acknowledge that they're good for them that i relate to mm-hmm. i for example i am uh, for the longest time i wouldn't even take tylenol like i didn't i didn't take any meds <laughs> for anything um and i had really bad allergies and my wife gave me claritin and like made me take it and then like two hours later i had a headache and <laughs> She was like, all right, when we get home, we'll give you some Tylenol. I said, stop drugging me. Um, um, so so that I can definitely understand. But it feels like if, like, I'm trying to visualize, like, the prophet standing in front of someone. And they're like, yeah, no. <laughs> Make it more fun. What about, like, five minutes before the Battle of Badr? <laughs> Yeah, that's all part of this. Yeah, I spent a lot of time trying to figure this out, and I know I'm not going to, but except just to embrace these the peculiarities of human nature, for which people will rather give up salvation. But the well, I think the the thing that that really got gets me sort of confused about this is that psychologically humans are creatures of pattern and and habit yeah right and so if you really know someone you can tell how they're going to react in a given Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i guess the thing then that i wonder is what is the habit that got them to that point self-centeredness stubbornness yeah we're speaking about Zid the other day. So, I mean, we've, I think I might, I don't think I'd do this in this class. Imagine every one of us has a compass, and either your compass is pointing towards Allah or it's pointing towards yourself. And so, the more it's pointing towards yourself, the less you're going to be able to submit. I mean, there's that cool legend, frightening legend associated with Iblis, the devil. I mean, I call it a legend because I haven't seen it written anywhere. Where Musa, alayhi salam, Prophet Moses, peace be upon him, says to him, I can get you Allah's forgiveness. Do you want Allah's forgiveness? He says, yeah, of course. He says, then all you have to do is to go to Adam's grave and prostrate. You will then have God's forgiveness. He says, no, I can't do that. Yeah, I guess in, in theory, rejecting the Prophet is even easier than like than what Iblis did, right? 
and he's talking to Allah. Yeah, like like Allah literally says, do this thing. And he's like, I don't know if I want to, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And then he says, it's your fault. Yeah. yeah. Mustafa. Um, so with regards to what you mentioned about like, um, as people grow older, you find that like, that a lot of their behavior remains pretty much the same, that they don't grow out of it. I think given my experience with certain like older folks, and like, I'm not saying that that's the case for all of them. I've met folks that aren't like that. And I've met folks that are like that, but I think it's, it usually boils down to a mentality of either seeking growth or having the mentality of you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Mm -hmm. I usually literally hear that from older folks that are like presented with a better alternative than mm -hmm. <laughs> how they're currently doing things. Mm -hmm. um, and with regards to what um, Awesome was talking about, I think there are a lot of complex reasons that can make people like end up being as such like coming up with habits like that uh i think one major component of it is human memory um because if you think about uh the tribe of israel and they were with moses when moses was given the miracle of parting the sea it's like those people saw it yeah yet, with their own eyes yet like after a while when Musa wasn't with them they decided to worship the golden calf mm -hmm. and so there is an element of like what you uh what a few of you mentioned before about like out of sight out of mind mm -hmm. uh I believe like that's part of it and then if you think about their descendants later on the more like removed you are from the incident like the further you go away from it the more likely you are to be like okay maybe my grandfather was making this up because i've never seen anyone that can do that so maybe it's just a myth especially when like we're not really that good with games of telephone it's like within the span of five minutes like the story just actually less than five minutes mm -hmm. the story just deteriorates completely so imagine the span of years mm -hmm. so. awesome so that i understand if the rejection came from subsequent generations or after the prophet passed or anything sure. like that but the like, prophet standing in front of you staring <laughs> him in the face and you're like i don't know about this man like that, yeah. that's still questionable but the yeah. the point about iblis like disobeying it actually it really puts my heart at ease because mm. like yeah if you're staring a lot in the face and you can still be <laughs> arrogant then like what chance do the rest of us have like of mm -hmm. course we can we can do the same thing yeah so fine yeah i get it yeah and then uh okay very good uh continuing or finishing off this aisle <clears throat> Or actually, it's finishing. It's getting into the next ayah then. Ayah 24. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. 
So, sorry, screen sharing anymore. Oh, you better. Okay, thank you for that. So, the goal is, if I have doubt, to actually go through the exercise, and either I find satisfaction that I've read enough material to know that nothing can compare. And the way to think about it is just think of all the most influential texts in human history. That's a very short list. And in Asim, yesterday you raised the point of Dianetics. I had a student who read Dianetics. And he said the first three chapters were really good. And then after that, it was just a repetition of the same points over and over and over and over again. Yeah, that's how I feel too. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. And, and so this is what you will find with a lot of texts that the first sections, the first chapters, the first part will be very interesting, profound, enlightening, so forth and so on. And then it just goes massively downhill from there. So either you will give up saying you don't need to find anything else and or you'll reach a point that your heart is satisfied now. But you have to go through the process. If you don't, then in the long term, and long term might even be that you can sustain enough faith to continue in faith, but diabetics, thank you, these are, these are profound jokes. And so uh, you might be able to sustain your faith, but then your child will inherit it, whatever your state is. Okay, so then this gets into I-25, 24, I'm sorry. If you don't, and if you don't do it, you'll never be able to do it. So if you go through the process or if you don't go through the process, you're not going to be able to find something that can compare. For the layperson, I-24 is sufficient for them. Well, I'll say I'm not going to be able to find anything, so, so I'm fine. However, if you're raised here and you have some degree of brain power, you're probably going to be wrestling with this question. The question of doubt in some capacity. And so if you are even somewhat introspective, you will probably will struggle at some point with this whole question of doubt. But the point is, once you reach that point, you've gone through the effort of trying to find something, trying to write something. Then, here the translation is not good, then work to develop taqwa. Guard yourself against the fire. So, then develop taqwa. Guard yourself, which is what the surah was about at the beginning. This is guidance for those who have taqwa. So some people, their key to developing taqwa is literally just to start from ayah 21, that you take Allah as your rab, Allah, uh, you become the abd of your rab, and perhaps you may get taqwa. Others, and there's no shame in this, will have to go through the process of satisfying their doubt, and then they can work towards developing taqwa. And guarding themselves against the fire, whose fuel 
is men and stones. Good. Where are the stones? What could the stones be? It could be physical stones. That's the fuel of hell. What else? I mean, this whole image of humans being the fuel of hell is also kind of kind of scary. What else could the stones be? It could be the idols that are being tossed in at the time of the prophet, peace be upon him. It could also be the hardened hearts of the people. So it's prepared for the coffers. Hell is prepared for the coffers. So we've had two commands now, two universal commands, be the Abd of your Rab, and don't knowingly make rivals to him. So everyone from that point, and if not from that point, from now, if you don't already try to have the disposition that whatever Allah tells me to do, I'm going to try to do it. And as we discuss, I'm going to regard it as beneficial as nurturing for me, right? We said it's being the abd of your rab, not the abd of your malik, so forth and so on. Good. Two, and this probably doesn't apply to anybody here, make sure nothing is rivaling your devotion to Allah. Two universal commands, and then a conditional command. If you have doubt, then get to work on this. Good. Even start reading even one text, but you have to get to know the Quran first. So if you don't know the, know, know the Quran well, first you got to do that. So we've had two commands and one conditional command, actually two conditional commands. One is bring a, a surah, and number two, if you haven't done it, then develop taqwa, two conditional commands. And we're about to get the third command. You can read ahead, but even try to imagine in your mind what the third command would be if you don't know. First is about a relationship with Allah. Second is about a relationship with Allah. Then think what logically would come next, and your answer will be wrong. All righty. <clears throat> Any other last questions, thoughts, reflections? Tomorrow's exercise, inshallah, will be fun. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubi ilayk. May Allah tell the word you all, inshallah. We will have class tomorrow, Sunday. We will not have class Monday because uh, we have a, have a program that I should be at. We will not have class on Thursday. Because I'll be in class, and that might be the final. Oh, that means our final class might be Wednesday. Oh, snap. Yo. All righty, inshallah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.